Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Blue Wife Breakdown. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle and his dog Lola, who you can't see or hear, but trust me when I tell you that she is very close to Greg right now and just behaving. We're going to talk a lot about Penn State football and James Franklin's uh, Tuesday's news conference, which he was asked a lot of questions and it was, uh, you know, he talked about his seniors and he talked a lot about the challenges of just having the season at one point, Greg. Uh, he was asked right now, do you feel like it? it was worth having this season just based upon the injuries and you know dealing on a daily basis with a pandemic, trying to coach a team in a pandemic, social distancing, all the protocols. Penn State's really passed them all, Greg, with flying colors since this started back in June. They've had very, very few positive tests. And we don't know if they've had any because it's been the entire athletic department that's kind of released the numbers, a statement like every two weeks but they haven't really mentioned any specifics as far as players or sports, but it's not just the football team, but all the uh, athletic teams up there have done very, very well with regard to the pandemic and protocols. And Greg, the reason I bring it up is we're just learning that the Ohio state Michigan game is now off because of problems uh, continuing in the Michigan football program with regard to uh, positive tests. And one of the great games uh, in college football will not be played this year. I don't know what it means for unbeaten Ohio State, but Greg, doesn't it kind of speak, even though Penn State is two and five, they've won two in a row, they're playing better, but doesn't it make what James Franklin and the program have done with regard to protocols, doesn't it make it even more amazing that they've been able to get to this point? Yeah, I don't think there's any question, Bob. I mean, it's clear that uh, this is all kind of a bit, what's the word here? I guess lucky. Uh, You get lucky if you avoid this in a way, but I think there's also a very clear uh, bit of dialogue that's been going on with James Franklin and the media over the last few weeks. It kind of indicates that maybe Penn State went above and beyond, not just the football program, but across the board to make sure that they didn't run into a situation like so many other Big Ten schools have had where they have to cancel a game during game week. I believe we're now down to four Big Ten teams that can finish its season as scheduled. That's Penn State, Iowa, Indiana, and Rutgers. I don't wow. want to get too far into the specifics of what all this means for Ohio State because by the time this podcast is out, yeah. Bob, the Big Ten could reschedule yeah. it, another opponent. I feel pretty good about the fact that they're going to find some yeah. way to get Ohio State a six game as opposed to changing the rules that say you have to play six to get into the Big Ten title game. So we'll see. Purdue also pausing practices. So maybe we get an Ohio State-Indiana rematch. Maybe we get something else. I don't know. But, yeah, Yeah. I do think it says a lot about the Penn State program that they were able to overcome all this so far and not run into any problems. And let's be honest, Bob, this could be the last week we see Penn State football in 2020. James Franklin was – I believe you wrote about this in your takeaways, but he was direct about the fact that there's been no clarity, no nothing really from the Big Ten Conference about what they're going to do with these crossover games. And I get it. 
they're trying to avoid rematches and they don't even know their week eight schedule yet. The week eight schedule is up in the air on Tuesday. So I do understand why there's no specifics, but you know, I can't imagine Michigan's going to be able to come back from this COVID problem they're having and be ready to play a game next week. Purdue could be in the same boat. Some other teams could be by that time as well. Who knows? So part of me just wonders if they might just nix this whole idea of a crossover champions week. But the problem they're going to run into if they do that, and James Franklin alluded to it, is they told TV they would do it. So they're going to have to give some of that money back, I would think, if they don't end up playing as many games as they possibly can. So there's a lot of things to figure (laughs) out here, Bob. I don't know if this will be the last week for Penn State. If you made me bet, I would gun the head. I would say they do play next week. But who knows when, where, and why? Yeah, I mean, the more, I mean, this, this thing, you know, plans change. The Big Ten's changed their mind a lot since this started, but they went from having no season and not revisiting their decision to revisiting their decision and having an eight game regular season. And when that was kind of announced, I believe, uh, in September, they came up with this vision of Champions Week where not only would there be a Big Ten championship game, after the eight-week regular season. But in theory, if everything, I think, was handled well and everyone was healthy, they wanted to get a ninth game for every other team, and it would be a crossover game, East versus West, with an emphasis on trying to avoid rematches, if possible. But, I mean, clearly, Greg, that's not going to be. It's not going to be possible, I think, to do it in its entirety. I think you're right. I mean, I would not be surprised if Penn State receives word that there isn't going to be a ninth game for them. I would say this, though. I would bet, Greg, that the Big Ten would try something like this. Maybe they're going to try and get Ohio State into the playoff if it means they only have five games. If they can't get a game this week, I would imagine next week you might see. Could you see something like Ohio State playing Northwestern and maybe maybe Indiana playing somebody, the, the second-best team, uh, in the Big Ten West, maybe it's maybe it's Iowa. I don't know. I don't think they've played this year. Um, but if you can't get a, a full smorgasbord of Big Ten games, I don't know that people really wanted to see the seventh place team in the Big Ten East play the seventh team in the Big Ten West. I don't know if there was going to be a lot of support for that. But maybe maybe a doubleheader instead of a nine game schedule. Do you think that would be feasible? Yeah, I could see a triple header of sorts too. That, I don't think that's out of the question either. Right. Maybe your top three teams play. You play one game Friday night in Indy and then one game Saturday afternoon and then yeah. one game Saturday night. Maybe you do it that way. Or to your point, maybe you do two games and you do one Saturday morning and one Saturday night. You know, TV will make this work any way they have to to get the games on live. So I wouldn't worry about that. But yeah, I mean, at this point, Bob, if Penn State beats Michigan State, which I think we both expected to, to get the three and five. And if Michigan's out of the question, Penn State could weasel its way into that third place game, potentially, if things really went its way. You know, I know win percentage is one thing, but I mean, you know, Maryland, I think, would still be in front of them, along with Indiana and, of course, Ohio State. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly interesting to think that Penn State could somehow end up in a 3v3 game, even with everything that's gone wrong this year. So who knows? Um, The college football season in 2020 has been nothing but a ever-changing day-to-day proposition. So nothing would surprise us at this point. But Bob, with or without that game, what was your take on James Franklin's answer to the question that Corey Geiger asked him, which was, do you think a bowl game's really even worth it? Do you think it's continued sacrifice? I mean, I think everyone wants the bowl practices. They understand what that means. 
you go win a bowl game, you know, yada, yada, yada in a normal year. But it does make you just stop and pause for a second, Bob. Everything these guys are going through and everything yeah. programs are going through, how much is it worth it to go to a bowl game this year and how many teams are going to want to do it? Uh, before I answer that question, Greg, I just want to say, James Franklin, if you are by any chance uh, going to watch a replay of this uh, this video or listen to the blue-white breakdown, it was Greg Pickle, not myself, Bob Flounders, who used the term weasel uh, with regard to Penn State getting into the third place in the Big Tennies. In all sincerity, kidding aside, Greg, we act- I think we actually, you and I had this conversation last week, last Tuesday on the blue-white breakdown. And when you consider, really, save for maybe a, a couple of days stretch when it looked like there wasn't going to be a Big Ten season, James, his coaching staff, the players, support staff, medical personnel, you know, they've all been up there by their lonesome since early June. And to play a bowl game, it would, and I mean, it would almost have to be First of all, I think they're, they're, they're canceling bowl games left and right uh, this week, but it would almost have to be over the Christmas holidays because of the way uh, the playoff is set up. And, you know, even if you have practices, what do you get out of them, Greg? Because I'm sure there's going to be limitations during the pandemic. There's not going to be physical contact. Maybe instead of practices, you just allow the teams to kind of meet and continue to develop, whether it's through meetings or coaching techniques or, or you know, at a distance, but I just, the thought of an actual practice, like a physical practice, I just don't know that that makes sense considering the way that cases are escalating nationwide. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that maybe instead of in the short term, having them practice through the end of December, uh, I think we talked about maybe expanding like a, the spring format in terms of maybe what you can do if things you know, with vaccines and stuff, if things can get a little bit more manageable and we can get the virus a little bit more under control, maybe you just expand what teams can do uh, with an extended spring. Penn State didn't have a spring, too. But I just don't know. But I just don't know about actually continuing to grind after being up there since June when you're two and five or three and five or whatever you're going to be. I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense. You could tell James Franklin was talking about sacrifices and even when he was asked about whether the season was worth it, Greg, you could tell, you know, he didn't want to get into personal uh, stories about his players or maybe what they've experienced. He prefer, you know, if they want to share it, they can do that. But he did say he, the thing he, he continues to really be affected by is just, you know, not having his wife and two daughters around him. They ha- they haven't been with him since this almost started, Greg, I think, I believe they're still down in Florida, and you could tell uh, it's definitely tearing at them. And I think that, you know, I, I, I think that James knows that his coaching staff and his players, it might be more important for them to be around their families during the holidays than try and focus on football. So are you suggesting a Penn State Pitt spring game then? Is that what you're getting at? Ooh, ooh, now we're talking. I don't know. I mean, that would be okay. I mean, I just think that, what do they get, 15 practices under a normal spring and Penn State yes. didn't have that? Maybe maybe you extend spring a couple of weeks, whether you start it earlier or you let the, 
you let them go a little bit later. And instead of 15, maybe they get 20 or 22. And with limits on, you know, maybe, maybe, you, you know, in spring, they don't typically, you know, spring, the physical grind is really more for the younger players who are trying to establish themselves. You kind of, you ease back on the veterans that are returning and you just you use it as a development camp for incoming freshmen and, or, 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 or Greg, maybe you just expand the strength and conditioning period. You just do something to give them a little bit, cause you could just give them a little bit more to get ready for uh, a proposed 2021 fall campaign. Cause it's pretty clear, Greg, that whatever Penn state did to get ready for this season it feels like they they really really emphasize player safety, player health, um, and it's it's paid dividends. You know now that they don't have a lot of cases, and no one, as far as we know, has been very sick. But I think it clearly impacted the team in the first month of the season. Um, not to make any excuses because they were clearly beaten in some of those games. I don't know they would have won them anyway, but uh, I, I think there was a trade off with the way they approached the season and maybe how physically ready they were. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I don't know. We don't know if they had stricter policies in regards to having groups together, or did they start contact stuff later in other schools? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of been beat around the bush a little bit. But yeah, all told, Bob, it's obviously impressive for them to have gotten to this point and to be able to say that going into Michigan State and this Week 8 game, ahead of whatever is on the horizon with the postseason and week nine and so on and so forth. They, they've gotten here with some false positive tests, apparently being the biggest problem they've run into since getting back on campus in June uh, and then starting preparations for this season for the second time in September ahead of the late October start. So yeah, obviously very impressive. We'll see. James Franklin's news conference today was really dominating by a lot of the stuff we've started with. So I know there's some other things we have to get to, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting week in the Big Ten. As we've been talking, there's a bunch of reports flying around indicating that the Big Ten is going to have some angry folks on its hands if it says that teams have to throw away three days of game prep and start planning for another team on Wednesday afternoon (laughs) following the Big Ten athletic directors meeting on Wednesday morning. So this is about to get messy in the Big Ten. I'm sure Penn State doesn't mind being off to the side for this one because I don't, whatever they do, it's going to make somebody unhappy and leave somebody uh, feeling like they got the short end of the stick. Yeah. So, Greg, let's talk a little bit more about this Michigan State game. It's senior day for Penn State. You know, obviously, it'll be a different kind of senior day that, than, than James Franklin and his players are used to. You know, those are usually the, you know, the, the games where they had the pregame ceremony where the parents are out on the field and all the seniors are, are kind of, of, of singled out and they kind of, they walk through the top, they walk through, you know, the group of the their teammates and they get, they kind of get a lot of, there's usually a hundred thousand people there. There won't be any of that with Penn State and Michigan State uh, play on, on Saturday. But I think, I mean, I think that the players have been prepared for this. But as far as the game itself, Greg, a couple things, a couple tidbits that we did learn. One thing we learned, thanks to Joe Hermit's photography at the Rutgers game is we got some clarity on what. Pat Fryerman's issue was what body part was was ailing that that forced him. You know, I th- I believe he has not played since the Nebraska game. We got we got to learn a little bit about what he's dealing with and what maybe he had surgery on. And also, I don't know if there's any clarity on the situation regarding Tariq Castro Fields. 
But he James did talk a little bit about maybe the chances of him playing against Michigan State. And he also talked that he, he kind of a little bit talked about, it sounds like the other talented corner that's missed time, Keaton Ellis, he played, he was able to play against Rutgers. But it sounds like he's either been dealing with multiple things or whatever that has been bothering him. He, he must have aggravated it because that's why he missed uh, an extended period of time too. I, I would think Keaton Ellis is good for the, for the Michigan State game, but I'm just not sure if Tariq Castrofield is actually going to play because James kind of leaves the door open, but sometimes he doesn't want to say too much because he doesn't want to give the other team an advantage. Based upon what he told, what he, what he said today, Greg, do you think there's a chance we'll see Tariq? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that Terry, that he said, James Franklin said that Terry Smith told him that they feel like they're getting closer to whatever magical thing they need to have happen to get Castro Fields back on the field. Yeah. I mean, there is a part of me that thinks that he came back and sacrificed for this season to do all the things that he had to do to get on the field. And if he wasn't, if he wasn't close, Bob, he wouldn't have traveled and worked out before every single right. game since Nebraska. So there's a part of me that does think he wants to get back on the field that he would like to play in Beaver Stadium one final time. So, I mean, I, I have a hard time buying into the fact that he'll play just based on the fact that you just wonder. He, he looked like he's been pretty close every week. So that yeah. just makes you wonder what exactly else has to happen. But I do think that if they can get him on the field, at least for a little bit even, they will give him at least a one more run at Beaver Stadium. I could see that happening. Um, you mentioned Pat Fryermuth not listed as a part of the senior day festivities. That's been the case um, with guys who are likely to opt out for the NFL draft. They don't have them go through senior day stuff, but would assume that this is his last opportunity to be at Beaver Stadium as a member of the team. As you mentioned, he had a a sling on at uh, Rutgers, so whatever that season-ending surgery was has now taken place, so I guess that's good news for him as he gets ready shortly for the uh, 2021 NFL draft. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, and then with Keaton Ellis, you know, he didn't. We were all wondering why he missed so much time early in the year because, like Castro Fields, it wasn't like he was over there in joggers. I mean, he was in his uniform, but never took the field until Castro Fields was hurt. And James said today that he had been fighting through some injuries, so I thought that was notable. And Bob, they're happy with that corner room so far, even though yeah. the list of available players seems to be up in the air each week. Yeah. So Friday sling. Uh, if you haven't checked out Joe Hermit's Rutgers uh, Penn State Gallery on Penn Live, please do so. He's been at I think he's been with maybe he's been at every game but one. I think uh, this year he's traveled on the road. He's been he's been at the home games. He's done some great work for us as he always does. But he had a picture, uh, a couple pictures of Pat. His right elbow arm were like immobilized in a sling, so it was something obviously uh, to that area of his body that was affected. His last game, if this was, if, if this, if this is it for Pat, it, it probably definitely is, Greg. I mean, there's really no reason to come back. I think he just got a, it's time to get paid. But I mean, he had a real nice game in the Nebraska loss. He had that long catch, did some good things. Um, let's just stick with the tight end room uh, while we're at it here on the blue-white breakdown. Um, because in his absence, I think Penn State's found out some stuff about two uh, talented young tight ends. Um, Brenton Strange is a redshirt freshman. Theo Johnson is a true freshman, probably most coveted, one of the most coveted kids uh, in the freshman uh, recruiting class that they had. And, you know, Penn State has not backed away, Greg, from the two tight end sets. They've, they've obviously committed to trying to ground and pound, run the ball. 
and you're seeing a lot of both those guys, not only, you know, they, they can catch the ball clearly they're talented kids, but you know, it's, it's been rare during James Franklin's time when he's had two young tight ends that are willing and able blockers. It looks like those guys are exactly that. And I, I don't know what, I don't know if they, there's something from preventing uh, Zach Coons from, from maybe playing. He's played very sparingly, doesn't have a catch this year. He's played in four games. But these two are clearly the guys that Penn State is leaning on uh, in the tight end room without Pat Frymuth. And James did acknowledge that these guys are really embracing the physical aspect of playing uh, tight end. Yeah, they like blocking, Bob. There's no doubt about that. And it's not that Penn State has had complete non-blockers over the last few years. But let's be honest, Mike Kosicki and Pat Frymuth are guys that can really bash you in the passing game. And that was their strength. And Pat was probably a little bit of a better blocker than, than Mike Kosicki was. Yeah. but. Both of those guys were going to be known in the future at all points in time for how they were able to run routes and go catch the ball. So uh, Strange and Johnson certainly add a different dynamic to that. They love flocking. I think that it's very clear that they're willing and able to do it. And they have been able to help this offense get on a more even keel over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see what they can do this week. But yeah, you know, other than that, um, there really weren't a whole lot of other takeaways, I didn't think, from James Franklin today, Bob. You know, he talked about uh, the idea that they're signing a class and going to be putting finishing touches on the class of 2021 while possibly preparing for a game. That'll obviously be unique. He mentioned that to paraphrase what he said was they're not going to jam guys into this class at the last minute because it's a small class to begin with. Cause it's a small senior class that will be honored on Saturday at Beaver stadium. And they want to save some room. He mentioned grad transfers. And I think we all kind of assume that they might be active in the transfer portal this year. And it seems like that's going to be the case. So, I don't think you're going to see a ton of fireworks heading into signing day after Harrison Wallace flipped from Duke on Monday. So that's something to keep in mind. But other than that, you know, a long press conference that didn't really have a ton of new news in it. But, you know, we'll see what happens after this week, Bob. They get a Michigan State team coming to town that doesn't currently have a starting quarterback and might not like either one of his options there. And uh, they're historically bad on offense and they haven't been all that great on defense. Yeah, and uh, still, I think they somehow beat Northwestern this year, which is it's just been been that kind of year. Greg, I have one little nugget uh, I would like to throw out as we kind of wind down this edition, the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State podcast that's daily with either Greg and myself, Dave Jones and myself, or you know Dustin Hawkinsmith doing a lot of heavy lifting during the week too with his morning uh, Blue White Breakdowns. Hopefully, you guys are listening or watching. Rating, reviewing, telling us how horribly we we got some of our picks wrong because we deserve it. But Greg, I'm getting the feeling that there are some people on the Penn State beat that just are they've had enough of Will Levis as a designated runner, and they want him to throw the ball when he's in the game just to keep defenses honest. Greg, what is what's the over under on passes attempted by Will Levis? against Michigan State. What would you set that over under at? Two and a half. I'll I'll go with, Greg, Greg, I'm going under. Okay. Noted. <laughs> unless, unless it's a blowout. Yeah, I just think yeah. that uh I think that we've seen at times Kirk Shiraka tries to make the flavor of the day work. And I could see that passing option out of his runs uh be the flavor of the week this week. So that's why I'm maybe being a little bit aggressive there. Yeah, I mean I get it. They obviously 
want, you know, people who watch this team can see that team. I mean, the Penn State, for what it's worth, in like third and two, third and three, third and one, teams know that they're bringing Will Levis in the run. And the offensive line's done a pretty nice job of getting enough yeah. push up front to make it irrelevant that teams know what they're going to do. So I think that's worth pointing out. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Penn State. Needs to find. I mean, I guess they tried to find out a little bit in the Iowa game what they have in Will Levis going forward. Yeah. So on Clifford's come back in now and kind of regained control of that job. But yeah, you know, you just think at some point he might throw it. He has as many carries in last game as Kevon Lee did. You know, if you're going to put a guy back there with no threat of throwing, why not just put a running back back there and let him bull those people? But they seem to think Will Levis is their best option for that. It's hard to blame him based on the results and. I think Penn State fans and others might just have to live with the way they're going to use him for the rest of this year. Agreed, agreed. I'm sure Will Evans will play quite a bit against the Spartans if the game would get out of hand, which is certainly possible. But Penn, Penn State, for whatever reason, maybe maybe it was the quality of the, the opponent. They just the, they're zero and three at Beaver Stadium, and all three games, you know, they they've lost by double digits. They've taken advantage, I think, of some some teams that were troubled on the road. Greg, they probably should have, if they would play Nebraska again, I'm pretty convinced uh, with the way that they're playing now, they probably will win that game. They did play, that That was a road game though, Greg. Uh, at home though, 0-3, double-digit losses. It's It feels like this game's going to snap that streak. I think, I think the line's somewhere around 13 or 14 points. Michigan State played Ohio State last week, and it was it was just ugly. A lot of turnovers, a lot of penalties. Their starting quarterback, who was not the greatest quarterback in the Big Ten, I think Rocky Lombardi got hurt, so they might have to go to his backup. It does all signs kind of point to Penn State closing out the season regular season with a three game winning streak. But if we've learned anything this season, it's it's just been so unpredictable, especially in the Big Ten. Penn State's going to have to probably earn it. And one other thing before we close, Greg, Dave Jones mentioned it after the game on Saturday. I didn't really see it, and I was kind of hunting through social media and some other posts to see if anyone else noticed anything. Is Parker Washington healthy going into this game? There was some mention about him maybe kind of staying down after either a pass pattern or a blocking play. He's kind of become a big part of what Penn State's trying to do on offense, even though they're committed to the run. He had that nice touchdown against Rutgers. He had nine catches the week before against Michigan. Are we certain that he's 100% healthy? Because James Franklin's not going to tell us if he isn't. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he had a stinger there late in the Rutgers game. He was down on the field there. The trainers had to come out, and they went to a quick commercial break. So we'll right. see. I mean, my guess is that he'll be okay. Maybe not completely 100%, but I don't think there's a lot of guys who are 100% at the end of most college football season. So. Yeah, I would be surprised if they're without him on Saturday unless that injury was worse after the fact than what it looked like. All right, I think we're just about ready to uh, wrap this puppy up. As we continue to march forward in December, Greg, we still need to learn a couple of things about Penn State. Can they close the season with a three-game win streak? Can they get to 3-5 and five after an 0-5 start? Will they play a ninth game? And will there be any bowl game consideration for the Nittany Lions if, you know, they're four and five, if they would play a championship, a champions week game against an opponent, get to four and five, there's enough bowl games. Would they even want to play in the bowl game? A couple of questions, Greg, left to answer about this Penn State team, but you and I are planning to be at Beaver Stadium on Saturday 
for Senior Day. Dave Jones and I will be back on the Blue White Breakdown Thursday morning to talk about, I'm sure we're going to talk about Ohio State, Michigan a little bit with Dave, but I don't, I think we'll just, we can tell people now, it'll probably be tough. If there's going to be a Blue White Breakdown, it'll probably be you and I on Saturday after the game, uh, hopefully during daylight, but it's a 3.30 kick, so that's probably impossible. So it'll be under the cover of the night. We'll be doing it probably from one of our vehicles, but we'll be happy to make that sacrifice, especially if Penn State can. 